TCU and Baylor, I've lamented this week that neither of these teams have been good at the same time, but could it be good that they're bad at the same time? We'll talk with uh, Locked On Baylor host Cam Stewart next. It's a crossover edition of the Blue Bonnet Battle. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have a crossover edition of the rivalry game everyone's talking about this week. It's Baylor. It's TCU in Fort Worth. Frogs are still fighting for bowl eligibility. Baylor is fighting for pride, I guess. Pride. Well, the trophy, of course. Yes. Which we'll get into. We will. Cameron Stewart's with me. My blue bonnet brother to my right here. Uh, And Cam, just like I, I know you talked about this week on your show both here on the radio. How do you feel about the the new brand name that we have for uh, this, this great historic rivalry that these two teams have been a part of for a long time? I don't love it. And I know that might surprise you, Stephen, because <laughs> seeing the reaction on Twitter and on social media, this might surprise you. I don't like it. Um, it's just lame. Yeah. It's just lame. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the rivalry. Like, Blue Bonnets are in Texas, and both these mm-hmm. schools are in Texas is, like, essentially it. Uh, you're not going to see any driving uh, up to Fort Worth this weekend. I guarantee that. They they bloom in May or whatever it is. Like, yeah, you're not yeah, going to yeah. see them. So, I just – I don't know, man. There's, there's so many similarities between these two schools, whether they like to admit it or not, and between these two football programs. And the best similarity we could get for this trophy was just the state flower of the massive state that they're both in. I don't love it, and it's not very tough sounding either. No, I think I think uh, Nikki Collum, the Baylor women's basketball coach, might have had the best quote about it this week. Yeah. She was just like, "It just doesn't sound tough," and she's right. I mean, I yeah, I get the you know, you drive down the highway in the spring in the state of Texas, and you'll see just children frolicking by an overpass because mom is trying to get out of the car and take a picture of you know some some beautiful blue bonnet fields, uh, which is a very weird thing that we do in our state. But other than that, I don't I don't know why they landed on this. Um, so are are you are you just pro revivalry? Is that what you would like to call it? What are some, no, what I was are some gonna, other names? I was going to ask you that. Um, what what side you land on on the revivalry? I like the revivalry. Mm-hmm. I like. Is it the best name uh, for a rivalry? No, but I think it's cool and it makes sense and it's and it's different. It's kind of a double entendre too. Like obviously the religious aspect of it, but the yeah. reviving this rivalry 10 years ago into the best that it's ever been in the last decade um, is a cool, is a cool part about it. But um, yeah, I, I liked it. I would have stuck with rivalry. I, I had no problem with just sticking with that. And I've seen some cool ones this week. One that Drake and I talked about on the Drake toll show was uh, the Kalachi kerfuffle. Mm, just fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, where, where do you stand on revivalry? Was that something you were into? I know it was Holy War kind of at one point. That's what you saw in the college football video games. I know Utah BYU does that. I'm fine leaving that with them. Mm-hmm. Revivalry, is that too much religion for you guys or what? No, I like revivalry. I mean, I, I well, I think I can speak to the TCU administration. They don't they don't love uh, always walking step for step with that Christian emblem that they're going to put no, they in, the, in the middle of their name, which is uh, another podcast for another day. But um, I think like the only thing, the only reason I can feel like it wouldn't work is because it's sort of a niche name, but that's kind of the point of a regional rivalry. And I think, mm-hmm. 
you know, Baylor and TCU hopefully have established enough of a brand at this point that people are aware of like where they kind of stand on different things yeah. and would, would get that connection. So that's where I would go. I Kalachi Kerfuffle is good. That's the cool. only other name I thought of this week, um, even though it doesn't totally have a connection to TCU is like the shiplap Super Bowl, just because of okay. um, the, the, the Magnolia connection with Baylor. And, you know, I mean, that's, the reason when Baylor why. plays MCC, that'll be perfect. <laughs> Just perfect. And I think that's cool. I, I would love, I, I am so biased towards something that even like with mascots and team nicknames that have to do with that place. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what a Hoosier is, but Indiana is the Hoosier state. Like that's, that's cool. That, that fits for me. Or yes. like in this case, the Chisholm trail in a long time ago, but was huge for both these cities, right? The Chisholm Trail more, I mean, it doesn't start in Waco, but it's a huge, uh, it's where the, the bridge is built for that very reason. Uh, it's a huge part of the Chisholm Trail is that first big city that you go through, which is Waco. And then obviously the stockyards up in Fort Worth. I thought they could have done something with that. I haven't found the perfect one for that. So I guess I, you know, glass house and all that. But um, there was just so many different ways they could have gone with this. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, if you gave me the option, Stephen, of blue bonnet battle or just no name at all, I'd probably pick no name at all and just let this thing ride the way we've been flying under the radar for years. Yeah, it feels like an unforced error. It also feels like a tough year to roll it out because both teams are kind of like hard pass on, you know, how this football season has gone. Let me ask you this, Cam. What were your expectations before the season for this Baylor team? Because I know it got off the rails quickly with that Texas State. Sure, yeah. And and we were like doomsday scenario after week one. But um, I was thinking, I, I didn't know much. What I The way I put it is I liked the question marks that Baylor had going into this mm-hmm. season. Um, like I was like, okay, you know, the line has graduated, but you brought in some good guys, including the Barrington brothers. Okay. I like where that's at, or, you know, receiver didn't really prove itself last year, but you brought in Keytron Jackson from Arkansas, Monterey Baldwin gets a bigger role. All these things. I was like, I, I, I like where the question marks are at. And with eight home games on the schedule, I said, yeah, this team should a absolutely be a bowl team, which that was like a non sequitur. Absolutely. They should be. And I was thinking like eight and four, nine and three, maybe the conference falls down and, and you have a great year and it's 10 and two. But yeah. I was thinking a lot of like that eight and four, um, especially mm. with those eight home games. And as you can tell, Stephen, it is not, uh, it has not been that. Were, were you one that was buying into like, hey, we're going back to the playoff kind of TCU fan? No, but I was I was loudly wrong about this. I mean, I, I think I had, you know, eight and four, nine and three. I could see a scenario where they get back to Arlington. The the thing that I kept saying that looks stupid in retrospect is the over-under was seven and a half. And I was just like hammer like hammer the over. I mean, they're like if they go eight and four, I feel like people would be disappointed given what they did, you know, a season ago. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons why this has sort of imploded. Even after the Colorado game, my, my sort of – my general thought was, man, that sucked. But other than that, I, I was – I kind of was like, okay, well, Colorado's got good skill talent. Like, mm. you got caught flat-footed, didn't have film to prepare. You sort of go through all the, the rationalizations of why that could happen. Um, but, he, you know, even like the wins against Houston and SMU weren't as impressive as you would – I've hoped they have been. They've kind of had some shuffling at quarterback. The offensive line has been a mess uh, since some guys moved on. And 
I, I thought that they could backfill with the portal in some of the areas that they lost, but I think this year has been a wake-up call as to, you know, maybe Gary Patterson still had some talent in the yeah. in the room okay. from that that senior class, right? Like with Duggan and, and Johnston and all those guys. But the the freshmen and sophomores that Sonny inherited, there was there's a lot of guys that transferred out. There's not a ton of depth there. Um, the players they brought in haven't haven't really worked out so far from this offseason in the transfer portal. And uh, you know, the Kendall Bryles hire has been has been a disaster, which I'm sure people yeah. in people in Waco love. Um, it's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, it's something to <laughs> to to look up and kind of laugh about. So all those things have led to a, a team that I think has played better the last two weeks, but the bottom line is they are they're four and six now. Um and and so I what's what's the motivation like? Because I, I know the Kansas State game was was bad, right? Like that was that was that was bad. Um do you feel like this is a team that is just this Baylor team is sort of directionless? Did they just have a, a yes. bad week? Like what Yes to all the above. Where Where is their uh, kind of effort level at the moment? Yes, they are directionless. Um, and I almost don't really blame the players for that. It's just what happens at the end of a long season like this where you've totally not lived up to even the middest of expectations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think right now, this week, they are just playing for pride and to say that we, you know, knocked our neighbors out of the of the of bowl contention um, and especially what happened last year in a game that they laid their hearts out on senior day and don't end up winning. Um, I think that's it. And even then that's a stretch. I mean, this was a team that was playing for what we thought was pride last week of, Hey, you know, no one expects you to win, but a loss puts you out of bowl contention and they didn't even show the effort last week. So um, yeah, it's, it's strictly pride on a very sentimental basis this weekend, which is not something I love as a motivation going into a game like this. And and both these teams have questions with the coaching staff. I think both of them have questions at quarterback too. So we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit next. Uh, this is locked on Horn Frogs, locked on Baylor, a crossover edition of the blue bonnet battle. One of our great sponsors, LinkedIn. If you need work, you know you need to go to LinkedIn. Cam knows it. I know it. LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. You can post your job for free there. If you're hiring people, you know that's a high stakes wager. You need to find folks that can do the job and fit in with uh, your company culture that are going to fit in in the office. LinkedIn's the best place to go because you can cast a wide net, but they have screening questions that allow you to narrow down that focus so you're not wading through a ton of resumes and people that might not be uh, the best for your particular position. Um, they make it simple for you. They make it easy. They have the right uh, tools that allow you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading vendors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified con- candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. As always, terms and conditions. They do apply. Uh, also, Athletic Brewing, they are a game changer in the non-alcoholic beverage space, athleticbrewing.com. Cameron, who is your game changer of the week for Baylor? And you can go either Ooh. with what happened last week or, you know, in this upcoming game against TCU. I might throw a curveball at you. Okay. I'm not even going to go football. 
I'm going to go Drayana Edwards because Baylor women's basketball is so back. Okay, so back. But if I have to pick someone from football, it's got to be coming up this week, Monterey Baldwin. Only only 10 targets last week and a catch. Mm -hmm. So needs to be better than that. That's who I'm rolling with. I'll go with the wide receiver too. Savion Williams had his breakout game for TCU against Texas last week. Unfortunately, I'm tired of picking game changers and a loss. I've done that a lot this season. But you don't have to lose with Athletic Brewing Company. Man, look at me turn the phrase there. Uh, that was so good by me. I love just congratulating myself on a great read. I'm sure the, the sponsor does as well. Uh, but Athletic Brewing, they have great brews that are great tasting, award-winning. Um, they have over 50 styles of craft. And you can go to their website today, athleticbrewing.com. Use that promo code LOCKDOWN, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 15% off your first order. Athleticbrewing.com. They are changing the game. You can get them at restaurants, stores, and online. Again, that promo code L-O-C-K-E-D, 15% off your first order. All right, Cam, so let's get into some fun hypotheticals. I know this might be an unfair question for you to answer because there's questions about Dave Aranda's future, Jeff Grimes' mm -hmm. future, all those things. Um, Blake Shapin has kind of been in and out of the lineup with injuries. What do you see from him? What do you think their plan is at QB moving forward? Is it even worth talking about until this coaching situation kind of gets settled in the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, anything can change with a new coach or coaches uh, in the building. But in, in terms of just all things being equal, Blake is Blake is your quarterback. Um, and he has shown some real flashes this year. Uh, has had a raw deal around of just a terrible offensive line with that no running game. Outside receivers were not very good to begin with, and then they got hurt. And so I actually – and he's been a bulldog this year. I mean, truly, he's been sticking it out. He's been putting his body on the line. I think back to that Houston game, he has a fourth and 18 on the final drive of the regulation and runs for it himself. Just a, just an absolute baller um, move by him. And so I think he is your guy. You still got two years out of him um, left that you can roll with, and that's a guy you can absolutely – build an offense around um, definitely has moved past the, the struggles he had last year, especially decision-making uh, late in the year, whether it be picks or missing wide open tight ends that give TCU the ball back to <laughs> walk off with a win um, on third down. So he he's not making the bad decisions anymore. Um, and even with how bad they've been, he, he's not trying to force anything, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously you see young quarterbacks do that a lot. So yeah, I, honestly, I didn't think we'd be saying this coming into the season, even with Max Duggan leaving, but I think Baylor might be in a better spot at, at quarterback. Yeah, you could argue that. I yeah, like what I might. I, I like what I see from Josh Hoover. Now, he wasn't planning on being the guy going into no. the season. Uh, the Chandler Morris experiment didn't work. I mean, if I had to speculate today, I feel like he will most likely be moving on somewhere else. I don't so much have like in, the, much like the Chad Morris experiment. Yeah, I don't have a lot of yeah. Chad, Chad, Chad's made a couple of universities mad. It's always funny when I do like I do a crossover with Arkansas or do a crossover with SMU people, and they're like, "Is that Chad Morris' son?" I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about Chad Morris. I have some some fun thoughts about him, and then they like to share about uh, you know all their grievances. Um, but Chandler was you know not playing super well, gets hurt. Hoover has made a lot of freshman mistakes. He's he had a really bad pick against. Texas yeah. um, right before half that he actually had a funny quote after the game. And he said, even Jesus Christ probably shouldn't throw that interception that he threw or throw that ball that he threw, which 
Maybe not the best theology, but I, I get you. Yes, I get where he was going with it, even if it wasn't uh, biblically based. <laughs> um, and so we we have seen that, but I think also he gets the ball out quickly. He processes things well. The team seems to respond to him. I think they, um, you know, are, are rooting for him. I feel like even with the losses, they've seen improvement. But uh, yeah, I would expect a portal QB next year. They also got Haas Haney from Alito coming in, who they're super excited about. But he'll be a true freshman. So I wouldn't expect him to be a starter right away. Um, but, but you know, that's a kid who doesn't lose a lot of games. You no, know that that's from true. High football around here, they he do not lose a lot. Doesn't lose a lot. Also probably hasn't played in the second half of a lot of games. Yeah, that's because, probably true. Yeah. Because they're up <laughs> big. But I'm, I'm excited about Haas. I think he's a true dual threat quarterback. And you're right. He comes from a winning program, winning pedigree, all those things. He checks all the boxes. I'm just not sure he'll be ready to start immediately. But yeah, I think uh, they'll be they'll be portal shopping this year, and um, and that'll be it's something to watch for for this university uh, moving forward. And is there any? Drake said this talking out of his butt yesterday on our show. We're both. If you don't know, peek behind the curtain. We are both ESPN Central Texas. Um, mm-hmm. And he was mentioning jobs that might be open. You know, obviously the Michigan States are already open and A&M, but you know, UCLA might be in Minnesota might be and maybe TCU. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Has there been any murmur at all? I know we had talked about it in the first segment. Mm-hmm. Sonny, you know, obviously, obviously still having all of Gary Patterson's guys last year. Has yeah. there been any talk at all that maybe Sonny isn't the guy? <sighs> No, I mean, well, there's been some talk. Or not if enough you, to fire him, maybe? If if you look at my YouTube comments, there's some talk about Sonny <laughs> not not being the guy. I think, you know, the, the power brokers, the people that are important in this transaction, still believe in him. Um, the weird thing about the Sonny experience this year is I feel like it's if, – if you kind of went into the season with lower expectations and you understood, like, what he was walking into, you could you could write this off as – okay, this is a rebuild. You know, he, he had a very senior heavy team last season and they got hot and did some amazing things that nobody expected. And now we're coming back down to earth. The problem cam is a lot of the high expectations were not just from the fan base. It was because Sonny spent the entire off season saying things like, I think actually we're more talented than last year yeah. and maybe a little bit deeper than last season. And I look at my wide receiver room and I see, you know, 10 guys that have played on a power five roster somewhere. And uh, I'm excited about the O-line and I like what we have on the D-line. And, you know, coaches, I mean, coaches talk. It's what they do. Yeah, you're rarely going yeah. yeah, to see somebody go up there and be like, well, we don't have a chance. But you can you can subtly put a message out there of, hey, maybe you guys need to be a little more patient about this. And that wasn't what he did. And I don't know if that was just missing on an evaluation. I'm not sure if that was uh, maybe after last season, he just thought, well, we'll figure this out. Like we, we did last year, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to sort of be better than people think we will be. Um, But bottom line is it hasn't worked. No, there's no murmurs of that. I think both coordinators are on a very hot seat. Mm. Um, But I would, I would honestly be surprised if, I mean, it's not unheard of, but if you're going to ask Kendall Bryles after one season, um, I would be okay with it. I would support it. But that would, be, would that be would that be a huge mark on the head coach more so than maybe some other coaches because Sonny did 
take a chance with Kendall. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the situation with Kendall's history with Baylor and obviously with TCU indirectly uh, and took a chance there. It was a big move. Does that, is that like more of a, a dart on the Sonny Dykes picture than it would be for any other coach just for how much he vi- vied for him to come? Probably so. I mean, I think you could interpret it as, okay, maybe he just saw the light. and and But if Sonny fired him, it wouldn't have anything to do with like, oh, I had a change of heart about this right. whole experience. Right. It would just be the offense didn't work, and so I'm moving on to another offense coordinator. Um, you're not going to have him come out and be like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, you, you cash in a lot of your goodwill on a controversial hire, and then – it doesn't work and you immediately have to scramble and kind of go a different direction. And I mean, Cam, you know this, if you fire an OC after one year, also you have to think about, okay, who's, who's leaving now? Like, who am I bringing Mm -hmm. in? What kind of offense do they want to run? And so you sort of have to reset the clock again. Um, But and it's tough to do as your second year, by the way, you know, you had the guy with, with Garrett Riley, he goes off to bigger, better. That's fantastic. But then you're then you're about to hire your third offensive coordinator in year three. It's almost like a can't fail move on the head coach, just kind of out of nowhere. You know, you had a great yeah. season year one, and then it's like, wow, I'm I'm almost on I'm on a two strike count here. Yeah, you you can definitely only make the uh, fire coordinator move so many times. Yeah, because that's where Aranda's at. Before he the fire coordinator to after year one and on the offensive side. So he's already fired and hired an offensive coordinator. He's already fired and hired a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So it's only so many moves you have left. You're right. Do you think, uh, do, do you feel like Matt Pallage is in over his head or do you feel like this is all on Dave or personnel or all of the above? Yeah, I, th- I think he's probably just in and over his head J- just for year one, like yeah. full time as a full time play caller and defensive coordinator. Uh, he's just a name that hasn't been brought up very much, even though the team is terrible defensively. I mean, just one of the worst defenses in power five um, because it's his first year and he comes in with not a lot to pick from in terms of really young guys out there in the defensive backfield. So yeah, I think that more falls on Aranda for being the defensive genius and Hey, why are the same mistakes happening week after week after week? You got a, you got a kid down here who's dying as your DC and yeah. And, and the great defensive mind that Aranda is hasn't figured it out either. So, uh, yeah, probably more so on Aranda than, than for Powellage. I think a lot, of, a lot more of the heat is, is coming on Grimes from the fan base than Powellage. Something Cam said makes me interested. So I want to ask him about his bazooka story, the walk-off field goal story. And in exchange, I will share my 61 to 58 memory. Okay. And so we'll, we'll do that uh, coming up here on Lockdown on Frogs, Lockdown Baylor Crossover Edition. Is your fantasy team a mess? Are you wondering, like, why am I even searching the waiver wire or desperately trying to get my buddy to trade with me? Uh, why don't you just pivot to prize picks? It's daily fantasy games. It's the best place uh, to win and win big. And now with basketball season here, you can make combo projections. So you can pick across football and basketball. They have all kinds of uh, things in their specials league, like a 10-and-a-half combo of three-pointers made by Bron James and receptions by Travis Kelsey. Um, and they also have a reboot policy that allows your entries to stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. And that's for football and basketball games. If a player who exits in the first half does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that type of injury insurance policy. 
It's the best way to turn, you know, $10 and $250. It's super easy. It's just over-unders um, on, on, you know, stats and, and those kind of things. You can download their app. They make it simple for you. Um, highlight your winnings and get after it today. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. So they'll match that first deposit up to $100. Bucks. Prizepicks.com slash college. And again, that code is LockedOnCollege. Prizepicks, your best place for daily fantasy games. It's the best place to win. Visit there today. All right, Cam. So uh, you, you talked about the the uh, yeah story time with with Cam and Stephen, um, the inaugural segment that's going to sweep the nation. Yes, can't wait. You, you discussed the uh, the bazooka game last year, so TCU gets the hurry up walk off field goal. Yeah. Um, were you at McLean Stadium? What's what's your experience? What was what were your memories of that of that game? I was I was there. I was in the press box, um, and I remember. Last few minutes of the game, um, I'm sure you you saw it in the stadium too. The the mm-hmm. students start to move down, right, and get ready to storm the field. That Baylor line section right behind the bench was just packed, and you know, of course, I'm thinking mm, that may be a bit too early to do this. I don't know. And then Baylor's got the ball with whatever it is, you know, a minute and a half left. You're right. like, you know, maybe maybe TC doesn't have the time to do this, um, which was obviously stupid. Uh, but yes, it was. I had my phone out to get the crowd reaction of a missed field goal. Um, and unfortunately for you, Steven, and your TC fans, I did delete that video. I never watched it. <laughs> um, but it was just stunned silence. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, the run-up, everything. Because in this moment, you're not really thinking much. But what I am thinking is, they don't have enough time. They're running the guys on here. They, they, they can't get this off. No way. Um, and, and and no way he's going to make it, even if he does. Like, he's, he's running out there just to do it. And... Uh, the 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 one that stuck with me the most, the most bitter I felt, salty as a quote unquote member of the media was, um, there were TCU people in the press box that were guests of somebody from the athletic department, so really fans, but they're in the press box, they're not really cheering up there or anything, but we're waiting, so they let the coaches down on the elevator first, and then we go down the elevator, and they're by the TV seeing the replay of it on Sports Center, and like ah. Like cheering about it secondhand. I was like, this is the saltiest I've ever felt in a press box. I was like, shut up, shut up. You get out of here. So that was, it was like one of my lowest sports moments for what really was a meaningless game. But I was like, we just, we needed that this year. man. We needed that. It made me appreciate my dog a lot more when I came home. I'll tell you that. That was my, that was my bazooka story. So Hmm. yeah, I was, I was better. I was a, yes, my bazooka story was great. I was in, you know, I was in the stadium. It was wonderful. I, I will share my, my 2014 story, the 6158 game. I was a student at TCU um, and it was fall break weekend. So I, I came down with a friend of mine and then I was sitting with him. My parents were in, in the berm and I was just going to ride back with my family after the game because I was going to stay home for a few days for fall break. And so Marcus Mallett has the interception. They go up by 21 Baylor fans are leaving the stadium. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, we're about to be, I think, 5-0 and at the time, you know, beat a top-10 Baylor team. Like, this is going to be wonderful. Yeah, I'd already beaten OU. Like, this and was just, the dream yeah, season. Yeah, Just beaten OU the year before. And then the comeback starts. And I'm a pretty pessimistic sports fan, so it didn't take <laughs> ah, much for, yes, for me brother. to be like, okay, 
the the dread was ensuing like once they scored quickly after that penalty that led to a short field. But anyway, it all happens. Um, was that Chris Callahan? Callahan. Yes. Okay. Yes. I had to tweet yes. about that today. There was a TCU fan trying to troll him for that hit he got, took in the cotton ball. And I was like, ah, oh, I might want to sit this one out for this guy specifically. <laughs> you know, I actually watched the full highlights of that the other day uh-huh. um, for the first time in years, um, that 61-58 game. And the play I totally forgot about right before the end of the first half. You remember what I'm, where I'm going with this? The, the fumbled punt or the bad yes. snap? Yeah. Yes. Which essentially gives Baylor three points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the punter doesn't kick it out of the end zone because there's, like, no time left in his mind, right? Like, let's just not play with this. Let's make sure they don't get a touchdown. And But essentially gives Baylor the ball at the 20-yard line with one second left. It's a free three points, and it becomes a three-point game. That was a game I – that was a play I hadn't even thought about since 2014. Uh, yeah. But what a game. I mean, still, even for casual college football fans, that's still going to be one of the most recognizable games the last decade. Oh, it was truly like I I haven't revisited a lot because of the pain of it. But yeah, uh, I get that. The, the highlight compilations that I have seen, like it was on drugs. Like TCU it was just the best yes. of the best. BJ Catalan had a kickoff return for a touchdown. TCU had like a crazy like double reverse pass yeah. that went deep. Uh, Baylor had, you know, insane like receiver after receiver, whether it's Katie Cannon um, or, or whoever it was, just make catch after catch down the field. And so they kick – Callahan kicks the field goal. And, you know, I'm like off his foot. You could tell it was good. So I'm walking down and I get to the berm and my dad's there. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's go. And he says, well, your mom rushed the field. Is your mom a Baylor grad? Yeah, she's a Baylor grad. Oh, yes. So, yes. Yes. So, my mom's a Baylor grad. Oh, no. So, she's in the game. So, she rushes the field with all the people on the burn because she's just, I mean, she's excited, understandably. Well, yeah. But you, like, yeah. And so, I stood there. We were probably there for about 45 minutes. And I'm just standing there. And, like, all these students are like taking selfies. And because it's it's one of the best moments of their life. And I'm just standing there, like, ever in my TCU hoodie waiting. And then we had to go get on the shuttle. And so that was like a whole experience. Um, that is, that is worse than mine, man. That is so much yeah. worse. It was a good one. Um, awful. It was, it was a rough day, but you know, uh, I guess like you've had some the, good days against Baylor since. Well, it seems like that game was like the, that was the, uh, that was the sacrifice that TCU made to just dominate the rest yeah. of this, the rest yeah. of this rivalry. And, and, in and that it's vein, the absolute peak of these two, man. Yeah, it was Patterson it, and Bryles and the, the the talent on those teams and the the pure hatred that was there. Mm-hmm. Pure hatred. God, that was awesome. It was. It was. It was much better than the blue bonnet battle. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. Yeah. That might signify the end, Stephen. That might be the like we had the great the second best ending was last year. So well, yes. 2015 and the in the monsoon. I don't, I don't want to talk about that either. Oh, yeah, but yeah. um that might be the end of the 10-year war, and it's we're just back to whatever this is. I don't know. Hopefully not, but it seems that way. Cam, what's your prediction for Saturday? As much as I think Baylor's going to lose, I cannot come on here. I, I just, I'm too much of a hater, man. I can't come on here and pick a TCU victory. Yeah, I respect that. Baylor 23-20. They somehow, they find a way. Yeah, I think it'll be a close football game. I mean, I feel like these teams are similar, and – I mean, TCU just hasn't really pulled away from anybody this year, aside from, I guess, SME and Houston. So I'll say the Frogs 28 21. 
And uh, I mean, it'll feel good if it happens. I'm not sure either fan base will enjoy this, but you know, I'm sure. I think by the time we all wake up Saturday, we'll have a different feeling because loser keeps the trophy. It's game day. <laughs> loser has to take the uh, the trophy back Uh-oh. back to their trophy case. He's Cam Stewart. Cam, where can uh, folks find you and Locked On Baylor? That is at Locked On Baylor on Twitter, as well as at Real Cam Stewart on Baylor uh, or on Twitter. Excuse me. Um, I will be tweeting like a maniac on Saturday, so you probably can't miss it. You can't. He will be there. Uh, you also in weekdays twelve to two on ESPN Central Texas. Sorry, yes. I always forget to plug that. Weekdays 12 to 2 on ESPN Central Texas. Is it the Drake Toll Show? Is that it the is the Drake Toll Show starring Cam Stewart? Okay. You <laughs> might need to, you might need to lawyer up. Noted that. noted TCU fan Drake Toll. <laughs> it's a good balance out. Yeah. Subscribe to Locked on Horn Frogs on YouTube. I'm at Simcox Steven on Twitter. The Blue Bonnet Battle Saturday. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Locked on Baylor, Locked on Horn Frogs. Crossover edition. Goodbye.